You may be seated. Amen. I don't, I don't recall singing so many songs this morning with so much conviction that what we were singing about was, in fact, the Word of God. <laughs> Did you have the same impression as me? It's very, thank you, Gusta. You're always by my side. The, what, the things that we spoke and we have spoken about, maybe they're not so, um, how can we call, so famous, so well-known these days in, in Christian lyrics about the blood of Jesus, about the cross, uh, about our sinful nature, about our need of God. Uh, but that's the message that we read in God's Word. And this morning, um, we're going to read very interesting passages, very deep passages, theological passages, passages that are the foundation uh, of our relationship with God, the foundation of our lives, the foundation where we built our lives on. So as Pedro also said, this was a special week of holidays to uh, many of us, at least those, the elders of this church have been on holidays for the last two weeks, uh, but now it's time to go back to everyday life. And everyday life is not easy at all. Sometimes life can be quite complicated because I think you will agree with me that the world seems messed up more and more every single day. I don't think there is one day that I don't hear news that make me feel angry. <laughs> at some level, not every day I'm angry, but we hear things that really upset us. There's so many things going around in this world that make us think that there is something wrong with society. How many of you have thought about this? There's something wrong in society. Be, let's be honest. We think about that, but I think when we read the Word of God, we come to this conclusion that Yes, there's something wrong in society. Society shows the symptoms, but there is definitely and absolutely something wrong with people, with human beings. And when I say that, we, I include us. There's something incredibly and deeply wrong in us because we are the cause of everything that is happening in society. So there's this deep underlying problem with humans that the Word of God addresses that we unfortunately don't address it quite enough. But it is the cause of every broken relationship, every failure, every financial crash, and every war that has ever happened on this planet. So this morning I want to invite you to open your Bibles in Romans chapter 1. Did you bring your Bibles? If you also bring your phones, can you just raise them up so that I can see, okay, that you're accompanying what we're going to read about? Amen. Did you bring a notebook? Yes. How many? Let me see how many notebooks this morning. Yay. Look at you guys. Those of you who didn't bring one, you can use your phones. I allow you not to SMS, not to text, not to WhatsApp, but to write notes about what God has in store for us. So we're going to open in Romans chapter 1. And we're, with God's help, we're going to dive into the nature of the human heart. 
as uncomfortable as it is, and one time I said that reading God's word is like being at the, ta- at the surgeon's table. It's not, um, it's not pleasant for us to feel that our hearts are being wide open before God, but that's what the word of God does. So let's see, and also how can we respond to the things that we will find out about us. So we're going to read Romans 1, and starting in verses 16 and 17, This is God's words translation. I put the notes of the translations that we're using, but feel free to uh, accompany in your own translation that you're using. And these are the verses, two verses that we also read last week. And it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. It is God's power to save everyone who believes, Jews first and Greeks as well. God's approval is revealed in this good news. This approval begins and ends with faith. As scripture says, the person who has God's approval will live by faith. So we already unpacked these two verses last week. We see that the good news is about how God saves us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, his son. But in this passage that we're going to continue on reading, Paul explains the reason why we need good news. And the reason why we need good news is that there are bad news. Right? As simple as that. There are bad news. And the bad news is exactly the question that we want to answer this morning. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with us? And Paul goes on into explaining. And let's read together verse 18. Right after all of this, about the good news, about God's approval, the person who has God's approval will live by faith. Verse 18 says, God's anger is revealed from heaven against every ungodly and immoral thing people do as they try to suppress the truth by their immoral living. Many people have a hard time accepting a God who gets angry. And they say, if God is love and he is good, he can never be angry. But being angry means being displeased, irritated, being furious at something that we do not like, that we do not approve. And there is not one being on this world that likes everything that people do. Every day we hear news that make most people angry. We sometimes even get angry when we shouldn't get angry. But God's anger is different from our anger. God's anger is completely righteous. Unlike us, God never gets angry for the wrong reasons. And he never shows his anger for the wrong reasons. But this verse here says that people are able to make God angry angry. Yes, the same people that God loves. The Bible says several times that God loves us. He created us in love. He gives us life in love. He, pro- he provides for us in love. He cares for us in love. He saves us in love. But still, you can love someone and be angry at what they do and call what they do wrong. 
And God shows how angry he is at all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of people. And this is practically everything that also makes us angry too. Injustice, betrayal, famine, abuse, stealing, raping, murdering. And so how did people get to this point? How did we get to this point? Why do we live in a society in a world where people behave in such a way? And this verse continues saying that people have suppressed the truth by their immor immoral living. Humans have a hard time with the truth. What is the truth? And that's what everyone is asking. What is the truth? And the truth is simply this. Truth is everything that God is. And everything that God declares. And humans tend to fight against the truth. They disregard it. They deliberately reject the truth of God. This is what the passage is saying. And when humans reject God, let me use this expression, hell breaks loose on earth. Because us human beings without God, when we reject God, We're waiting and just waiting for the most terrible things to happen on this planet and in our lives. And how have humans rejected the truth of God? Paul realized many people would say, as they're saying up until now in the 21st century, how could I ever reject the truth of God since I never knew what the truth is? And people argue with God. People defend themselves. They justify themselves against God's word and against God himself. How could I be rejecting God if I don't know who you are? If I am not able to see you, God. But let's continue on reading. And I'm, I'm going to invite Gabby to come and to read for us and continue reading in verses 19 to 23. What can be known about God is clear to them because he has made it clear to them. From the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly observed in what he made. As a result, people have no excuse. They knew God, but did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. While claiming to be wise, They became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for statues that looked like mortal humans, birds, animals, and snakes. Gabby doesn't even like to read the word snakes. She doesn't like snakes at all. But what, we can, what can we learn from this? And, and the Bible and, and the Lord shows us something very important in this passage. He tells us that His eternal power, his divine nature, his character, what he is and that he exists is absolutely revealed by his creation, by the things that were made. He has given us some revelation of who he is for, by the things that were created. Now, we've never had the pleasure of meeting an author like Jane Austen We've never met an artist like Leonardo da Vinci. But one thing is for sure, when we read their books, when we look at the art, when we, 
when we get in touch with something that they've touched, that they've created, it communicates something to us. We may not have, we may not understand the details of their characters, but we can totally understand and see some truth about who they are. And the creation of God tells us of who God is. The Bible doesn't justify and doesn't give us a, a deep scientific explanation of how God created the universe. It simply states that God created all things. If we exist, it's because God created us. And when we look at all creation, we're able to see the mind, the power, and also the heart of God. When we look deep down in our hearts as human beings, we're able to discern the foundation of what is right and what is wrong. So as we read, the problem is not that humans don't know God, that people don't know God. The problem is, and as it says in verse 21, humans rejected God. Humans have exchanged God for self-made philosophies, idols, images that simply don't question the problems that we have deep down in us. Our rejection of God doesn't make us smarter or better. People say that the smartest people on this world are atheists or agnostics. They are not capable of believing that God exists. What does the Word of God answer about that? He says that this behavior, this mindset makes people futile in their thoughts and makes our foolish hearts darkened. Rejecting God makes us fools. As Spurgeon, a, a famous preacher, once said, it does not matter what you think. It does not matter what you know. Unless it leads you to glorify God and be grateful. And so in verse 20, we have this conclusion very deep. As a result, people have no excuse. And let's carry on reading. And Gabby, if you can come again. Read from verse 24 to 32. For this reason, God allowed their lust to control them. As a result, they dishonor their bodies by sexual perversion with each other. These people have exchanged God's truth for a lie. So they have become ungodly and serve what is created rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God allowed their shameful passions to control them. Their women have exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural, unnatural ones. Likewise, their men have given up natural sexual relations with women and burn with lust for each other. Men commit indecent acts with men, so they experience among themselves the punishment they deserve for their perversion. And because they thought it was worthless to acknowledge God, God allowed their own immoral minds to control them. So they do these indecent things. Their lives are filled with all kinds of sexual sins, wickedness, and greed. They are mean. They are filled with envy, murder, quarreling, deceit, and viciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, haughty, arrogant, and boastful. 
They think up new ways to be cruel. They don't obey their parents, don't have any sense, don't keep promises, and don't show love to their own families or mercy to others. Although they know God's judgment that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do these things, but also approve of others who do them. Thank you. So starting in this verse, and in verse 25, Paul sums up how did humans reject God. And our rebellion against God is displayed in our actions, obviously, but it starts in the way that we think. And when we don't think right about life, about God, we always make the wrong decisions. We have chosen the lie to be our truth. We placed ourselves in the place of God. So in, in his righteous wrath and judgment, the word of God continues on saying that God allows humans to go as deep in sin as their hearts desire. And in one way, the word of God tells us that this already brings judgment upon human beings because the consequence of sin is death. The consequence of sin is a self-destructing behavior. And God allows hum allowed human beings to go as deep in sin as their hearts desire. But we can look at God and also see His mercy and grace. Not mercy and grace to allow us to carry on sinning and do everything that we want because God is love and He allows everyone to live life as they wish. No, that's not the point. But because when we are confronted with the consequences of our sin, God is making an attempt to help us understand how lost we are in our own ways. And we read many serious things about human behavior. Many serious things about what God calls sin and what God calls a self-destructive behavior. But before we continue, let me just be clear on what the Word of God is saying to us this morning when we read this passage and things that the Word of God is not saying when we read this passage. The Word of God is saying that God didn't intend human beings to pursue relationships that go against the very nature of His creation. And that is what happens with homosexuality. The word is not saying that homosexuals are worse than any other human being. The word of God is not saying that we are allowed to mistreat, to hate, and persecute people who are in homosexual relationships or any other person that commits sin. The word says that we are to love be kind and just to everyone, period. But the Bible does call homosexuality a sin because it goes against God's plan for human relationships. And after this huge list of wrong behavior, Paul goes on saying that these behaviors are becoming more and more acceptable and approved by society. 
And this is not just happening in an individual level. This is happening collect collectively. Corruption is mainstream in any line of business. There are companies to help you cheat on your spouse. There's a dark web where you can buy slaves and human organs that were stolen from innocent people. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Because if we went on explaining and describing the horrific things that are happening around the world because of human beings, well, I don't think we would leave this place singing and joyful and, and happy. And sometimes we might feel, but I am not as bad as other people. We're Christians, right? We're churchgoers. We're definitely not like the people who are doing these things. We're not like people who are killing others or stealing from others. They are mistreating their families and friends. We're Christians. We're good people. And, and I, maybe we're Christians because we are good people. We identify ourselves with things that are good, right? But this is what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10. As Scripture says, not one person has God's approval. No one understands. No one searches for God. Everyone has turned away. Together they have become rotten to the core. No one does anything good, not even one person. And in verse 19 says, we know that whatever the scriptures say applies to everyone under their influence. And no one can say a thing. The whole world is brought under the judgment of God. So here we are. Our case was written and made. Our collective biography is complete. God is the rightful judge who will not turn a blind eye to our wrongdoings. No one can excuse himself before God. There is no one righteous. We sin alone and together. We sin with our hearts and with our bodies. We harm ourselves and we harm others. And this is the bad news. This is what is wrong with people. And when we look at people doing the most horrific things around this world, this is in the root. This is the root of the problem. But the Word of God brings good news. The good news that we've been explaining, that we've been preaching about, that the Word of God is declaring every single day of our lives. The good news is that this same judge, righteous judge, created a plan to save mankind. Despite all our ungodliness, despite all our unrighteousness, God came in bodily form in Jesus Christ. And took upon himself the outcome of our sins. The innocent died for the guilty. The righteous for the unrighteous. And let's read together in Romans 3 and starting in verse 21. 
But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So as we've read, Paul explains that God's laws cannot save us. The law reveals our fallen nature. The law reveals our corruption and our sinful nature. The law can justify anyone. That's why that even if we try to do the right thing, we will do ten wrong things in the meantime. We can't be justified by our works. It is useful to give us the knowledge of sin, but it does not save us. But now, and I love that Romans 3.21, after all of this that we, sa we said, the Bible says, but now. But now, there's a different thing. But now, there's a consequence. But now, God has done something and marks the beginning of the good news of the gospel. The glorious transition from judgment to hope by His grace. Godly freely gives righteousness that is able to save us. Apart from our works, apart from the law, apart from uh, us deserving or trying to earn our salvation, apart from our own merits. And this happened because of God's mercy. And God's mercy provided us with a plan of salvation in Christ Jesus. This plan was purely motivated by the giver, by God. It wasn't motivated by our efforts. It wasn't motivated because there was something beautiful in us. It wasn't motivated because there were people that deserve to be saved while others aren't. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But for all who believe in Christ Jesus, God offers, has the gift of salvation. Because of His grace, because of how loving and how merciful God is. We sang these songs that we stand in the presence of God, of a holy God, but we're only able to stand in His presence because of His righteousness being imprinted in us when we deposit our faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot even stand in God's presence. Not even a fraction or a nail or a head in our heads without feeling completely guilty of our sins and of our need of Him. Because God is holy. 
holy, holy. He stands apart. But God offers us his righteousness in the person of Jesus Christ. And who receives this righteousness? All who believe. All have sin and fall short, but all can escape a terrible fate. Anyone can be saved when they accept Jesus as Jesus is the only thing that we need in order to be saved. We're not saved by something that we do. We are saved by someone we rely on. And in this passage, we read three important uh, words that can be quite tricky to understand but they sum up how God has dealt with our sin. And the first word is propitiation. Propitiation refers to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus took our place on the cross and died in our place. Someone else took the penalty of our sins in full and has paid that in full. Justification is the image um, that we can have from a court of law. It solves the problem of our guilt before God. God wouldn't be righteous if he simply ignored our wrongdoings. If he just ignored our wickedness and declared us free from it. No, it's because of what Jesus did for us that we are able to stand in the presence of God and this righteous judge with all this big list of things that we've done wrong God is able to declare us just because he looks at Jesus and we have accepted the gift of his salvation. The third word is redemption. And redemption is an image from a slave market. I know it, this image probably doesn't belong to our generation, but for centuries and centuries there were slave markets. People may think that without God, they are free. But God says that without him, we are slaves to sin. If we were really human, free human beings, we wouldn't have such a hard time saying no to sin. We could simply stop whenever we wish to. But the fa fact is that we can't. Because the Bible declares that we are slaves to sin, to sin by nature. But this word redemption means that Jesus gives us freedom from sin. This word redemption that is spoken about us time and time again when it speaks about the sacrifice that Jesus did for us on the cross. It means that Jesus paid in full for our freedom. It means that as we live and continue on living on this planet, this corrupted, this wicked planet, that we no longer have to be slaves of sin. So these three words, they summarize, they give us hope. And these are, this is the good news of the gospel. Because God has dealt with our problem in full. Our problem is sin. Our problem is our rejection of God. And God being a righteous judge, he had all the right to tell us to spend all eternity away from him in hell. 
But because of His love for us, because of His perfect heart, because of His perfect nature, because of who He is, His essence that is nothing like our essence, God sent His Son, Jesus, to save the world that has fallen and got corrupted by the taint of sin. And that is why we Christians, we sing about Jesus. That is, why, that is why we sing about God's love, about God's mercy, about God and God and God and not about us and not about anyone else. We don't sing about human presidents. We don't sing about poets and, and prophets and people. But we sing about God and his wonderful heart and the justice that he showed by sending his son, Jesus Christ, in order to save us all. We owe everything to Jesus because he has done it all for us. Jesus has done it all. Jesus is worthy of praise. Jesus is worthy of our trust. Jesus is worthy of us singing. Jesus is worthy of us saying no to sin. Jesus is worthy of our lives, of our efforts, of our sacrifices. Jesus is worthy of all because there is no, no one like Him. No one has loved us like Him. Jesus is at the center of the universe as He should be the center of our hearts and lives. Because of Him, today we're able to say no to sin. And let me share with you some conclusions. Three conclusions of what we spoke about this morning. That I hope they, that you will continue to think about them. That you will allow the Spirit of God to work inside your heart and mind. Because... Everything that Jesus did needs to have an impact in our hearts and lives. Jesus didn't die so that we could have knowledge. Oh, that Jesus actually did this for me. This is a really nice story. No. This, what we call and may call a story, has the power to completely change our hearts and lives. And the first consequence of this is that you can live now free from condemnation. Romans chapter 8, the first two verses say, So there is now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit of God, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, has freed me from the vicious circle of sin. And death. This is our victory. This is why we celebrate this morning. That is why even though we, we read such a horrible list of things that we're able to do without God in our lives. We celebrate because of Jesus. Because he has freed us from the power of sin and death. If this does not make you want to jump from your seat, I don't know what will. Because this is the power of God at work in us. 
and is freely available to you today. Because if today you are enslaved by the power of sin and death, Jesus is still the one that can set you free. Second point, don't despair. God is still at work in your life. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The call of the gospel has been made. Believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, if you have accepted this gift, life's not going to be easy. We will fail and we will succumb to sin many times. But the word of God promises that God is still at work in us. God is still at work in us. And this should give us hope. Because Jesus continues to be enough to do this work in us. And you and I, we are safe in God's love. The end of chapter, chapter 8 of Romans says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to invite you all to stand. And we're going to continue on singing. And as we close our eyes and the worship team comes, let's allow the Spirit of God to seek inside of us, to, go, to come and continue to work in us. There is no point of us coming here and singing and continue on living our lives the same way as we were living them before. The fruit of the gospel. The fruit of what Jesus did for us is too good. It's too important for us to ignore. We're going to sing a song that says, come to the altar. Come to the presence of God. Bring everything you have in you. Bring everything that you've been carrying. Bring your sorrows. Bring your sins. Bring your failures. Your broken relationships. Bring the things that you still think that you can change. And bring the things that you already know that you will not be able to change without God's help. There is hope for us this morning. I invite you to close your eyes and, and picture yourself walking into the throne room. Walking into this court of law where God is the one that right, rightfully judges all of us. But God does not want you to come into His presence in fear. God does not want you to come into His presence with the fear of His judgment of accusation.
with the fear of your guilt. God is inviting you into his presence like a loving father that has created you in love, that knows every single thing about you and still has chosen to love you. And he wants you to come into his presence to be declared free, to be declared just, to be declared not guilty. So that once you leave that court of law and you live your daily life with God, you will be able to live your life set free. Free from guilt. Free from shame. Free from sin. And free from death. Let's sing together.